Hi, everybody. I am with Jeffrey Landau from Agritecture. He is the Director of Business Development. We're here at Indoor AgCon in, what is this year, 2023? I feel like we're in a time warp, right? So you guys, Agritecture, had your pre-event workshop this year. How did it go? It was a big success. I think what is great about our workshop is that it's a great primer for those that are maybe new to the industry to better understand the landscape. What are greenhouses? What is vertical farming? What are the different technologies? And how to position yourself in these conversations with different vendors, investors, and growers. So the first half of our workshop is a one-on-one of the industry, a landscape of what is greenhouse, what is vertical farming, what is CEA, Mm. um, and how can our attendees really position themselves in this conference? How to ask the right questions, how not to waste time. um, That's awesome. And how to get the most out of the, the experience. The second half, we break our attendees into different teams. We give them access to our software planning tool, Agritecture Designer, and we let them go and create their own little business model. Cool. They get to choose their crops, they get to choose their technology, and then present to our audience as a little fun exercise to kind of get them ready to experience what's to come the next two days from there. Nice. So, How many people attended? We had 86 registrations. Um, it was a full workshop, I think about 11 teams, wow. um, and an incredible experience. That's so cool. So. Um, you said this is your first time at yeah. Indoor AgCon. That's crazy. What has been one of your takeaways from this conference? Uh, I think first it's exciting to see how much of the industry is here and present. Mm. You know, kudos to Suzanne and her team for really making a, a solid agenda, a solid expo, and really making sure that the industry is meeting in person, collaborating, and discussing about the challenges I think a lot of our growers operators face Um, I still see some tension between greenhouses and vertical farms Um, I think they're both great tools and really are great technologies to use in the context of your business so your location your market your crops your customer and I think there's still a lot of education that needs to be done to make sure that buyers of these technologies are buying for the right reasons so it's great to see Vendors here showcasing the technologies, educating the consumer, educating investors so that um, no bigger mistakes are made as our industry continues to grow. That's awesome. Um, I think I think you hit it on the head. I think one of my big takeaways also has been how I've been hearing CEA in general be discussed more as a tool um, and a technology or, you know, but or a technology-enabled tool, you know, related to, to agriculture as a whole as opposed to a part of. Yeah. Um, so that's been a big uh, positive takeaway for An- me. Another takeaway I heard, and this was in one of the panels that I moderated, was just going back to unit economics. Oh, yes. Making sure that yes. you are really understanding the fundamentals of your business Mm -hmm. so that if you're trying to raise capital, you're raising the right capital. If you're trying to scale your business, you're scaling at the right um, growth rate. Um, And if you're trying to bring on the team, you don't over hire or under hire um, because failure for one ripples out to the industry as a whole. And um, there's a graveyard of of farms that didn't make it and we don't want to see more join that. Yeah, yeah. And you guys put out a great report on that recently. Pull out the crystal ball. Mm-hmm. What do you see as the future of the industry? I see, I see growth. Maybe yeah. 
not as fast as others have hoped or have invested in. Mm. I see um, greenhouses really becoming uh, industry standard here in the U.S. I think more and more are going to pop up over time on the East Coast, Midwest, maybe around the Texas area. I think vertical farms as well, the size and scale I think will vary based on different markets. They still have a a place in this industry, but um, we'll see how that goes. Awesome. But but growth overall. Yeah, Yeah. me too. It still feels like a very optimistic and positive, forward-looking industry for sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, thanks, Jeff. Jeffrey, it was really nice to talk to you. I'm glad you made it this year. Hope to see you again next year. Yeah, likewise. Awesome. We're going to go at a different path. We're still going forward. But that's not, that's definitely a path we're going to avoid. So, Carla, can you introduce yourself? I am Carla Gomez. I'm the Vice President of Operations of InCity Farms, a startup. (laughs) (laughs) So, tell me about how your experience this year at Indoor AgCon is different than your experience last year. So, there's there's a couple of uh, influences to my opinion this year. Um, One of them is the position of our company. We're at a stage of um, about to be funded and about to be able to hit large scale of deployment, but at the same time we're not yet, and we've been at it for quite some time. So from an energy standpoint, it's hard to s- sustain that energy for prolonged years. Uh, so that's our personal challenge. But at the same time, one of the things that has been a little bit validating for us is that things that we have made decisions on years ago are being talked about today as I'm listening to the different companies going, oh, we discovered this thing and we pivoted. And it's like, yeah, we we figured that out years ago and it was always like part of the design. And we did lots of iterations and pivots, but but we felt really confident where we landed with our design. And even though we're continuing to explore new ideas, which is one of the greatest things about this, like what else is out here? What did we not know about? Um, We still feel really good with where we are. Like nice. We're going forward with this design and feel good that it's going to be successful. Um, but this year is also lots of, a lot more people, um, which I think is good for the industry. And I think that there is, um, anytime you start sizing up, there's less uh, opportunity to, to, to forge one-on-one relationships unless you seek people out. Like, there's mm. just so many people yeah, to yeah, choose yeah. from or, or meet and mingle. And, and it's like, where do you go? So you go to your tried and true like oh I know you I know you and you you just stick with the same circle so it's not necessarily a networking that's my personal challenges you know not necessarily a good networker in that way Um, but it is expanding the market it's bringing more players it means that there's more potential for demand if anybody's wanting to get into the market um, as a supplier Uh, As I've been talking to a few people meeting them for the first time this year newbies they haven't come to the show before and I'm asking them, what do you think? And they're like, wow, it's just overwhelming. There's so much. And it dawned on me, I was talking to this really um, an existing greenhouse farm that's been around for a while. And they decided to expand their market into um, selling leafy greens a little bit. So they have a few offerings and they have local grocery stores that they sell to. And they're doing good. It's a really small farm. But they were... A little bit there were some things that they were talking about that they were really confused on and I'm like you know what you're right unless you have the financial resources to hire mm. a regulatory expert 
and understand whether or not you're following the rules according to whatever rules just burgeoned? Like, how do you afford to navigate that? How do you afford to navigate technology? Which, there's so many choices now, which one do you choose? And they're not necessarily pieced together in a package. So you can't compare, well, there's those five software already pieced together with those three tools of sensors or whatever it is, and say, okay, now I'm gonna compare that to this other version of a similar package and decide which one fits our needs best. It's like, I don't know what I need. And I don't know how to navigate all the disparate parts. So I need a CTO, all right? There's another headcount. Like how many of these companies are overwhelmed by the potential cost of just trying to exist? Interesting. And that's sort of what it feels like with so much to offer. Right. So So what do you think is the future of this industry? Hmm. Well, there's a lot of future. There's, that's, that's, there's so much potential here. I think that, um, like many industries, there's going to be some big fish. There's going to be consolidation. The big fish are predominantly going to be focused on large-scale um, support of or supporting large-scale retailers. So large distribution centers, large grocery store chains. Um, they, they're going to be the primary supplier because they can handle the logistics of it. I think then there's going to be regional players and then there's going to be local players. There's a space for all of it. But then there's also going to be the burgeoning players that are doing things like mushrooms or doing things like um, animal feed, um, being in the nursery space and being a distribution for, like, all we're going to do is raise baby plants and distribute them. And the nursery has been around for a while, but it hasn't been in the vertical farming. One of the interesting things I was hearing today was I was listening to a seed, um, the seed discussion, and somebody asked, okay, so now that you've established your new seed that's going to be specialized for vertical farming, where are you growing that so you can harvest the seeds? And they said, outside. We're growing it outside. Isn't that funny? Right. So, yeah. of course, now there's going to be the need for vertical farm space to be allocated to just growing plants for seed harvesting. So there's so much opportunity if you explore, and I think that's the creativity path. You don't want to chase every you know, shiny object, but you might need to find your niche. I think that's a really good point. And I also heard a lot about diversification of crops as being a need for this industry. Um, so thank you so much, Carla, for your insights. It's great to see you again here this year. I'm looking forward to next year. Already. Me too. just ask you so what who we got we got alex van dune yes and you can say oliver oliver paulus yes you guys are from vertebrae in belgium right correct was this your first indoor ad con it was yeah what did you guys think amazing well you need to be here so uh why do you need to be here we love the mindset just like we see a better match with our solutions uh, for the north american markets okay uh, more willingness to take risks but also to innovate so here in yeah. the u.s that's yeah, good so to that, know. That's what we come for. So, so what does Vertiberry do? We create turnkey solutions for growing strawberries anywhere, anytime. So whatever okay. you want, you wake up in the morning with an idea, want to grow strawberries, we'll help you. That's good to know. In greenhouses, indoors, Full, outdoors? Fully what? indoors. Fully so no indoors. sunlight, so okay. you're completely boundless when it comes to location, no seasons, no nothing. How do you pollinate strawberries indoors? Easy, bumblebees. 
You do use bumblebees? It's a bumblebees. Apparently, nice. apparently it's, it's a tricky part, but in our opinion, well, it's must have. Uh, they're day and night workers. They don't right. no union, so. Uh, it was the most, I think, the most recurring question, actually, the last two days. Everyone comes to us, how do you pollinate? We're like, we have nature. I know it's artificial, but we don't have to change everything. So we just have bumblebees flying around in the door. Oh, it's bi- biomimicry, right? Yes. In, in, in a way, yeah. Yeah, I like that. So what was one of your biggest takeaways from the conference? We'll be back. Really? <laughs> yes. Well, that's a good sign. I think Indoracon would like to hear that. <laughs> to hear it, maybe a discount might be appreciated. <laughs> what do you see as the future of this industry? Well, I think well, it started with the leafy greens. Um, you see now that well, the market is asking, well, can you do more? Mm-hmm. And um, I think um, that's one of the roles that we want to pick up is uh, really showcase. Well, it's not only leafy greens; you can also do strawberries. Yeah. And uh, not the watery uh, strawberries from California. Really, the tasty. Hey, what good, are you saying? Uh, <laughs> The good, the good tasting strawberries, and that's yeah. what you want. Yeah. I feel like I heard a lot about that, too, at this conference, is diversification yeah. of crops, even diversification of the types of facilities that we're growing right, in. Right, Did you have right. any, Oliver, Olivier? Yeah. I think for me, it's, it's time that we all start being honest. Like, mm. the market is maturing, so we can start sharing data. Yeah. Uh, it's very easy. We can start speaking about yield, about technology. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's time for it to be real. So we're ready for it, and we want to see also the big players starting to share some figures. And make Don't sure, because that's a way, by benchmarking, that we can just progress as an industry. Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks, guys. It was so nice to yeah. meet you, and I'm glad well. you guys made the trip out to Vegas. Um, and I'll see you next year. Cheers. He's setting you up. Exactly. Uh, yeah, she just know. wanted to I come asked, over you want to do this? Hi. You want to do this? Okay, so, let's see. So whenever we go do a show, yes. we do little podcast takeaways oh, with perfect. attendees and, cool. and exhibitors. And we just yeah. ask, like, what were your takeaways from the conference? And what do you see, you know, about basically, yes. like, the future of the industry? Yeah. Are you willing? Yeah. Okay, who are okay. you? <laughs> Joyce Ras- Raskin or Raskin? Yes. Raskin. Well, Raskin. Oh, I can't <laughs> say it. You're Dutch. Ruskin. Yes, okay. Ruskin is No, fine. you say it yourself then. <laughs> my name is Joyce Rasker. Okay. I come from the Netherlands and I work for Grodan. And it was my first time at the Indoor Act conference and I enjoyed it greatly. Did it you? was fantastic to be here. Absolutely. What was one of your biggest takeaways from the conference? Well, I think the biggest takeaway is that there is a major opportunity in finding out how we provide the best food for a lot of people on this earth. Mm. And in that, I think we have to really um, start from what is the local need, what is the local conditions, and then design a food producing system around that and not have technology lead us into something, uh, but really start from the market needs. I think that that is, uh, yeah globally very true and if I look then specifically here because I come from Europe so I know the European situation a bit better than the US situation so I think here there has been a lot of developments which are very interesting where we can learn a lot from but we have to also sometimes you know just be humble and and when it's good enough it's good enough what are some of the like similarities or differences that you see between what's happening in the US versus Europe 
Well, I think uh, the overall innovation drive, that's something that is completely similar in both continents. Okay. Uh, then I was very um, inspired, or maybe, the, yeah, that's the wrong word. Um, we have internally a whole discussion on which crops should go indoors, right? Oh, and sure. Uh, that's uh, always a fascinating topic, but there's not so much news on that front. And maybe we should be happy with that because there's hmm. so many opportunities still in the current Current crops that we have to still grow in a in a more sufficient, uh, efficient, I should say, cost efficient, health efficient, uh, energy efficient, resource efficient way. That I think that we have to, uh, yeah, to we perfect, then, exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. There's still room to improve. Exactly. Let's get that uh, done first before we start going off in all kinds of different adventures. Love that. <laughs> what were some of the questions people asked you when they came to? Your booth? Uh, well, I didn't have a boot. You didn't? Good <laughs> no. for you! <laughs> I had the privilege of walking around. <laughs> so I listened a lot to all the kind of spe- uh, yeah. speeches. But generally, there's always a lot of questions around substrates, right? Yeah, yeah. Because it's um, one piece of the puzzle, and that became very clear here as well. Uh, I mean, you can talk about uh, indoor, but then you have to talk about really the different pieces of the puzzle. So you always get a lot of questions on what kind of substrate, how is it produced, how can we use it, utilize it better, what are my added values when I use your substrate. So those yeah. kinds of questions I've been answering over the last two days. Wow, so, wow. Yes. Um, I hear those questions a lot too, so I want to ask you off the air. <laughs> off the air, that's good. <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, what do you see as the future of this industry? I mean, not just in the U.S. or in Europe, but maybe globally. It seems like you have a global perspective. Yes. Well, I, I do believe that this industry will grow and it will continue to grow and we have to further perfect it, right? Uh, so, in that, I think that uh, this this morning Dave Chen's uh, uh, keynote speech was, was, was very on point. Yeah. Where he really said, okay, let's see... Uh, how we uh, make use of everything that we already know, uh, all the growing methods we already use, and, and see how uh, different, uh, yeah, globally we need to adapt that. Uh, and that comes with an increased pace with everything that happens in, in, in relation to climate change. So, yeah. I mean, the last two years have been putting we have been put on uh, on a lot of pressure with COVID, with uh, the, the 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 war and its resulting energy crisis and inflation. Yeah. So I mean, we have been pressured a lot, and look how how yeah resilient we have been. Right, and how we've risen to the challenge. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Awesome. Well, Joyce, it was so nice to meet you. Thank you for coming over here and just randomly well, participating th- in yeah, this. Yeah, well, thanks a lot for the uh, very on-the-spot interview. Uh, great opportunity. I really liked it. it thanks really so much nice for the opportunity. You. Hey, everybody, I am at Indoor AgCon, and I'm talking to Kyle Barnett, who is, the, I guess, officially the director of panel development at the event. A lot of you probably know him as the host of Crop Talk. I was on Crop Talk. Thank you. That was a really fun discussion. Great job. These panels this year were so good and just a really good group of speakers and experts in the field. You guys did awesome. Thank you. I yeah. really appreciate that. 
So you've been coming to Indoor AdCon. Before you got really involved in it, yeah. how long have you been coming to Indoor AdCon? Uh, I think my first show was 2017. Okay. And I, I came every year other than the years it didn't happen due to COVID. Okay. What was your interest initially in Indoor AdCon? Um, it was, I was with Horde Americas. And so I was selling substrates, fertilizers, LED lighting, nice. and all the above. And it was a it was a great opportunity to network. It was a very different show back then. Yeah. It was I think in a different location as it well. Was, it, it's for bounced sure. all over the map. It has. It's been in Red Rock. It's been in the convention center. Yeah. So it's it's changed up. Uh, but yeah, it was it was just to How network. Many- I'm sorry. How many people were here this year? Oh, I think we surpassed 1,500. This oh year. my gosh, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. How many were here last year? Do you know? Uh, eight or nine hundred. So you almost doubled. We almost doubled, and we we more than doubled, I believe, our booths. And we actually had a wait list of about 40 vendors that we didn't have space for. That's amazing. So what it, are you going to do next year? Uh, that's a great question. <laughs> I, I put together the panels, and then I rely on them to figure <laughs> out the logistics. Nice, nice. <laughs> So what was one of, other than the industry is growing and this conference is growing, what has been one of your nuggets for the conference? What is one of your biggest takeaways? Um, I think, you know, it's really evolving to no longer just be blindly VC funded and everyone go nuts, especially on the vertical farming side. So I'm seeing even more attention maybe by the vertical farming side on the greenhouse side those same people that were investing are now looking even more heavily into the greenhouse side mm. so i think there's um you know with everything that happened in late 2022 there's there's a i think there's going to be a lot of changes in the next 12 to 18 months yeah. in the industry uh especially on more of the vertical side and maybe just solely leafy greens vertical especially uh and and the industry's starting to just get its grasp of what's possible, what really makes sense uh, from a financial ROI standpoint. And I think the standardization conversation is becoming more and more important and being pushed even heavier. I mean, it's interesting that you mentioned greenhouses because when I first came to Indoor AgCon back in 2014, it was all about vertical farms, yeah. right? And And I think it's just great how this conference has expanded to meet broader needs and interests in greenhouses um, in, I'll just call it alternative CEA, if I may. Um, and, and just the discussion of CEA as a tool, right? I, that to me is a very positive development for this, for this conference in this industry. I agree. I, I think that the vertical farm conversation, it's a tool for the toolbox. You know, yeah. I don't think it's, disastrous not going to go anywhere but having the mindset that this is a a growing this is a way to grow it's a tool for the toolbox and evolving in that mindset uh, you're you're right it it was maybe more vertical farming focused in the the past and um, I I thought it was really important to make sure that the dialogue was coming from other parts of CEA it should be an overall CEA conversation at the end of the day not just vertical farming because that's just one tool in the Mm -hmm. toolbox so why are we going to focus on one tool it should be an industry bringing all those parties together uh, because, you know, I think it's going to evolve where it's a hybrid model for a lot of these guys, vertical farm integrated into greenhouse, just greenhouse, or maybe high-end products, botanicals, pharmaceuticals coming out of vertical farm. So I think if we're all in it together, having honest dialogues will evolve the industry in a very intelligent way instead of, you know, being uh, reactive. We're going to be proactive and see these things 
coming up on the horizon and be able to collectively develop strategies so that we don't, you know, completely collapse as a collective. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think for me, even greenhouse as a tool for field farming. Yeah. And I was so grateful that you had that outdoor indoor panel because last year, um, the keynote speaker from App Harvest, right, said, we're not competing against each other, we're competing against field agriculture. And I personally gasped uh, when he made that comment. And for you guys to decide to create a panel almost around that, I just, bravo. I thought that was really classy. Um, And it was a great panel, too. And and that's what's special about having these, some of these keynotes that say maybe polarizing things is they invoke this type of conversation. And all of a sudden we're like, hey, you you shouldn't, no, hold on a second, Mm -hmm. you know, hit the brakes. And then that provokes additional dialogues and additional dialogues, which really... It makes something like you know what what Webb said. It's it's actually a, a force for good because it was it was polarizing. It yes. was intense, but it provoked conversations. And I think having people that provoke conversations, even if they're wrong in what they say, but us having the ability to have that free dialogue and question these things as a collective, that's powerful. Yeah, that's really powerful. And that is going to be the ultimate success of this industry. I love it. Thank you so much, Kyle. Thank you. Great show. Uh, it was great talking it. to you. Always a pleasure. And have me back anytime on uh, your podcast. We can count on it. Awesome. I love it. All right. Cool. Oh, really? Nobody wanted to do it. That's why I said, okay, I'll do it. Uh, <laughs> all right, everybody. I am here with Tom Zollner from the Farm Tech Society, who's the Secretary General, which is a really fancy name. And he was on my panel uh, of talking about the importance of government regulation. Let me just start there. What was like, what do you hope was a takeaway from the audience from our panel today? Well, it's obviously taken more seriously than I've seen before. Mm. And, you know, particularly the, the discussion around the building code or energy code uh, is now starting to, to really sink in. And, you know, I mean, of course, we have a bit of a European perspective, but we have also North American members. And the interesting part is that, uh, you know, it's actually an opportunity for our sector. Yeah. And we need to frame it as such. And we need to really achieve a kind of a narrative that is becoming understandable for regulators who are very keen and interesting to kind of trans you know make that transformation i mean agriculture is just like really you know it's a it, as i as i was telling you it's like a cake with many challenges right yeah, yeah. and all these layers of challenges that lay on top of it how are you going to go about it huh? and each one that doesn't many have really any solutions huh? so regulators are really at a loss right now to look for solutions huh? and so if they get in a conversation about all the things that CA can do, we need to prove now that we can do it and we need to validate it. We need to really actually get everybody under that umbrella of doing this benchmark data initiative, generate the data, validate it, and then we have a nice report about market size and, you know, what are our claims? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then CMI the regulators are looking claims, like, yeah. okay, it's much better now because, you know, right now a regulator will ask us, what is your market size? And then there will be a silent moment because it's really not big. Yeah. And so any regulator who has to deal with something less than 12 or 15% cannot do anything. It's just, it's a nice to have niche, but, you know, we cannot really, we're, we're, you know, tax dollars need to spend time on major, major market share issues. Yeah. 
Um, and I think that opportunity is, is really an important message that we don't necessarily have to dig our heels in the ground and say, no, no, no. I think regulators are looking for solutions and we have the opportunity to provide the solutions rather than just saying, no, you're doing too much. Don't just say no, say we can do this. Right, and, and I, I really hope that that's where we can take this conversation mm -hmm. to, and even with the data, is that not only are we teaching others about what we're doing, but we're teaching ourselves, right? And so, and, and, and so then we can become more solution-oriented. Right. create best practice. Yeah, I mean, exactly. who would say no to best practice? Uh, I, mean, I totally agree. <laughs> so, so outside of that, for you as an attendee, what was one of your biggest takeaways? Actually, it was uh, really pleasantly surprised uh, how uh, leapfrogged the U.S. you know uh, sector has proven to be because hmm. I've been last time here in 2018 and thanks to the pandemic it's been kind of like a gap yeah however I, I have to say that in those four years a lot of things have changed a lot of things have really actually uh, you know enlarge the footprint of the intention let's yeah. put it this way huh? it's, it's you know it was always kind of a, an interesting thing to talk about and people were, were were looking into it particularly you know the phenomenon urban agriculture you have you know, people like really try to, to figure this out however also agriculture communities are starting to really look at this huh? i mean we I've, i bumped into people from field ag who are here yeah and then i say I I "Ooh, it. this is now the interesting moment so we can Agreed. also start bridging that rural and uh, peri-urban divide and, and you know let's just look at it as a toolbox because Dave Chen this morning he made it really clear huh? hey it's a toolbox yes and you should be smart enough to pick the right tool to do the right job agreed and so this is obviously something that I really am impressed to say that you know there has been a big progress huh? of course we need to go bigger I mean we need to become massive this is where I see that the US will be able to do it only the US market huh? Because every other country, I mean, yeah, you know, Canada, hmm. Canada is pretty massive, indoor growing, but yeah. still nothing compared to what it could possibly be. Because, you know, my magic word is, is today, we need to be part of green infrastructure. Yeah. Our food production is closer to manufacturing than it is to anything else. And we will fit beautifully into these trillions of dollars who are going to be spent on renewable energy parks and and, and, and new types of circular manufacturing parks where there are, you know, kind of like no waste, net zero yeah. production models. And if you take like CA and you be inclusive and you take the fish farms, you take the greenhouse, you take the vertical farm and you take the mushroom people. And now the field farm. Yeah. And the field farm to use the, the nursery, the, the nursery, yeah, the early stage yeah. part. Then you have an, an excellent uh, argument to say that we also create jobs. And not just like, you know, one tractor guy and 20 people bending right. over. No, these are all the interesting technical jobs that people, young people would like to get their hands on. You have all, all the engineer, you know, kind of professions. I mean, STEM, like somebody said STEM, yeah. you know. And so this is it. And, you know, that's actually something I find in my conversation with policymakers and regulators. They don't know where. For them, agriculture is literally the wasteland for, for job creation, right? And so this is a completely new argument. And this can be very powerful in securing actual interest and support. You know, so, yeah. not just on a federal level, state, municipality level. Local, I mean, this is yeah, all everything. 
So I feel like in some ways you might have just answered my, my last question, but, but maybe even more pragmatically or maybe in a more near future um, sense, what do you see as the future of this industry? Well, we, we, you know, we tend to kind of look at it as failure, as, as, a, as a negative thing. And it was quite, for me, a bit surprising for the U.S., a lot of uh, fear-mongering around, you know, people saying like, oh, my God, these people are just like, you know, wasting so much money and then they go down and it creates a bad image for the industry. Yeah. I mean, in reality, innovation is a blessing for the agriculture uh, uh, community at this point because, you know, nobody has really dared to go and innovate agriculture for a long time. This is a new phenomenon. And when you innovate, you actually try things out and you fail. And because you know what didn't work is equally important and you know what works. There's many companies who are not even sure why they're successful. This is the worst <laughs> position to be in. Beginner's I mean, it luck. sounds like yeah, we're making money, but I don't know why. Like, you need to know why you're making money, right. and you learn that by making mistakes. Yeah, and, and goes back to the data, collecting yes, data yes. and analyzing yeah. well, that data you know, to understand. That, that, all these tools can help uh, yeah. tremendously. You can be super fast in improving your uh, your mistakes, huh? And it doesn't mean that you actually then go out of business and you have to send people home and it's everything shut down. And I think this is happening and it's a little bit, you know, people are nervous about it. And I say like, you know, keep the cool and we need to be cool. We need to kind of really keep the eyes on the target yes. and we need to be collaborative. That's that's what it what really is required for the future. Yeah. Totally agree. Well, Tom, thank you so much. It was really a pleasure to meet yes. you finally in person. Yes, You're a great yet. panelist Absolutely. and I look forward to seeing you again next year. Hi, everybody. I am at Indoor AgCon, and I am with Toss Gibson, who's the Vice President of Sales with Rapid Grow LED Technology. Toss, it was really great to meet you at the show this week. Excellent meeting you as well. Yeah. Um, so, have you been to Indoor AgCon before? Yeah, this is my third show. Yeah. Uh, we came in 2020, right after the pandemic. Oh, And there were, there were only maybe, say, 30 booths at that okay. time. Yeah. 30 vendors. Uh, and then we went into last year, saw that double in size. Yeah. And this year, doubled in size again. It's amazing. It's amazing. So what is, like, one of your biggest takeaways from this conference this year? I would say the takeaway is that uh, in the cannabis industry, we saw a gold rush type mm. of theme. Uh, a lot of people were jumping in, especially on the equipment manufacturing side. Um, what I see happening now is this feels very much like that California gold rush that we were seeing in that industry, but everyone's kind of jumping over into ag because most of cannabis has moved out to Europe at this point in time. Oh, interesting. So um, if you pulled out your crystal ball, what do you see as the future of interact? I see a lot of fundraising, a lot of fundraising in the future. I also see that, uh, so I would say, like, much like the cannabis industry, mirroring both uh, you know, of the markets, looking at future forward, uh, you're going to see a lot of investment into this space in particular. You're going to see the majority, of, uh, the majority of the cannabis opportunities moving outside of the country. Uh, and then we will see, uh, we'll see, in my opinion, I think we'll see um, an influx of opportunities where traditional farmers are going to want to try their hand at horticulture. So it's going to be a race to lowest cost to produce. Uh, so I think there's going to be a lot of innovation, but 
separate from the cannabis industry, we'll see, um, I think we'll see farmers trying their hand at different technologies, trying to reduce their labor rate, and at the same time, trying to find some hybrid models to bridge the gap until eventually we get to that full automation indoor cultivation. Yeah, I totally agree. I feel like that is a takeaway that I've heard a lot of attendees uh, discuss is that um, we're going to have a lot of crossover between greenhouse and field and vertical farms that it's you know going to be a lot more I don't know uh, mixed up stir the pot a little not stir the pot but it's just going to be less maybe segregated or isolated from each other and even just seeing how indoor agcon started as a vertical farm uh, conference and now is all encompassing with not just different crops, but also greenhouses and nurseries that it's, it's diversifying itself, which I think is what we're seeing in the industry, what you just described. A hundred percent. The other yeah. thing I think that we'll see uh, is indoor warehouse, indoor cultivations mm-hmm. rather than greenhouse cultivation. Mm. I think you're going to see uh, a, a, an uptick in that type of technology and that type of investment in this space. A lot of people in the cannabis industry thought, well, greenhouse or uh, open, what what do you call it, transparent roof greenhouse, like a hybrid greenhouse, was going to be the way that the cannabis industry was going to fall. But when you dive into the details, it's a situation where you want to be able to completely control the environment. And you can't do that in greenhouse. So you can't get the consistency across the board. That's what I see happening in the ag space is... They're going to start with greenhouse. People are going to try to open up that model because it's it's fast and quick. It's easy. Uh, people are used to it at this point in time. But when you're diving into the real, true vertical farms, like the guys that are going to service on a, on a national level, I think what we'll see is is. But I, I think <laughs> I think more people, especially the guys that are heavy on R and D, they're going to head more towards indoor agriculture instead of greenhouse oh, yeah. agriculture because they can manage all of those variables. So I said it earlier, you know, you, in a greenhouse environment, you can't invite God to play and play God at the same time. That's Cape Profundo. I got to unpack that one. <laughs> <laughs> Toss, it was so great to meet you through our mutual friend, Michelle Keller. And uh, it was great to see you. And I can't wait to see you at the next show. It was great to see you, too. I really appreciate the Dr. Greenhouse team. You guys are incredible. Keep up the good work. Thanks so much. So we did good though. Yeah, we did. Good. Hello listeners. We are here today at the end of Indoor AgCon with Dr. Nadia Saba for her 2023 takeaways. <laughs> what did you what did you take away? What did you learn? How did you how was it? Uh it was great. It was big. Wow. There were like fifteen hundred people last year. I think there were eight hundred and even last year I said yeah. I commented how big it was. Uh, you know, the first time I came in twenty fourteen, it was small. Um, it was cute. It was, I think there were maybe like 10 or a dozen exhibitors. Um, their wait list for exhibitors was larger than the total number of exhibitors the first first time I went. Um, and you know, when it first started, it was about vertical farming. And I think that was one of the biggest, I think that's been one of the biggest evolutions of indoor ag con is that it's become more diverse. 
um, and dare I say inclusive, um, where it's not just about vertical farming or urban agriculture even. It's, it's about greenhouses, it's about nurseries, it's about using CEA as a tool as opposed to uh, the means to the end. Uh, and, and, you know, even just talking to some of the other attendees, they kind of had the same takeaway, even if they didn't say it in those words, uh, is that the use for CEA is much bigger than just one solution. There are many solutions, and uh, this bigger umbrella is bringing a lot more people, and there's a lot more interest globally. I think that's one of my other big takeaways is how many people came from outside the U.S. I think there were 34 countries represented is what I heard. Um, And, you know, again, when I first came for vertical farming, I mean, it was a really big deal that um, Miney Prince from Prevo was one of the speakers and she came all the way to Vegas from from the Netherlands. And, you know, we interviewed four people um, who were from from Europe uh, just for our takeaways. So I think just even how it's expanded globally, not just in terms of technology, is a really positive development for this industry. You know, I was also really happy to see the indoor-outdoor panel because of the keynote last year who said we were in competition with field farming and to put together a panel to counter that commentary I think was really powerful and it was a really well-attended panel and a really interesting group of people. Um, I also you know, was really grateful that they talked about government relations and the number of people that were in attendance to our panel because, you know, we really want to work with our governments at the local level, at the national level, internationally and globally. And the best way to do that is to work with them, not against them. Yeah, from the foundation. Exactly, exactly. Um, And they just did a really good job of of putting these together and and having conversations. And uh, yeah, I really really enjoyed it and and saw a lot of old friends and colleagues. And and even just thinking about how many people were at that indoor ag con that I first went to. We saw a lot of familiar faces. Dan Albert, Chris Higgins, Gene Giacomelli. um, And, you know, to have those folks who are sort of... I would consider, you know, part of the OGs in this industry um, are still here supporting and helping and moving this industry forward. I think that's a good sign Mm -hmm. for this industry and for a conference like this that they have stuck around, right? That they really still see the value and the opportunity and the potential of this industry and are still continuing to support it and aren't like, oh, that was a flash in the pan. We're out. You know, they're still here. I'm still here. Um, and it's it's really exciting. And in the organization, too, that everybody together, that they're all still working together, not just like, oh, they're all still in the same industry. Yeah. Everybody wants to be on that same team and with that same network. Totally um, agree. You did say that you've been here since 2014, and you talked a little bit about the things that you've seen develop. Is there anything that you've seen really change or that you're excited to see as this, you know, you said... 1500 from 800 so next year probably 3000 oh my god uh, anything else you're excited to see <laughs> for the so future crazy. of the con you know 
maybe next year we'll have some regulators here. Oh, yeah. As opposed to just talking about regulators, maybe we'll talk to the regulators, right? Um, I'd like to see that. Maybe next year we'll have some growers share some data, right? And, And I think that's been one of the big developments, too, is... Indoor AgCon has always been about ideation, right? About the dream, about the vision of what urban farming and vertical farming and indoor agriculture can be. But, you know, we're starting, I feel like the people who are on these panels and the people who, you know, the the sort of experts are are more experienced Mm -hmm. experts um, and are really speaking from their experience of what can can work what has worked what has failed and and i'm hoping that next year they start to put numbers behind those experiences um because we really need that data right for all sorts of of reasons including regulation yeah and esg and all these things you know to to prove our sustainability claims um so so maybe that's something we'll see next year and I just feel everybody's still very optimistic about this industry and even with the high profile failures that we've that we've heard about that we've read about um, there's still a lot of growth and there's still a lot of farms out there that are succeeding and you know for me what what is optimistic for me too about the future of this industry is that discussion of using CEA as a tool. And even one of the panelists said, you know, in Mexico or in some of these other regions, you know, they will have a field farm, they'll have a greenhouse, and they'll have a nursery all on the same site. These are tools. You know, it's not just about the technology as that means to an end. It's about using the technology in the right way, in the needed way. And sometimes that means you have more than just a hammer in the toolbox, more than just a screwdriver. You have the hammer and the screwdriver. So that's just gonna make you do a better job at you know whatever it is that we're trying to fix with these solutions with, with vertical and indoor farming. Look how many different types of saws we've created. <laughs> we need different tools, you know? That's right. Even the number of knives there are, exactly, right? Exactly, <laughs> right? Yeah, tools are tools. Do you need a butter knife or a serrated yeah. knife? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> knife, any of the ones. Well, I do have... I'm going to ask you one question. We oh, can include it or okay. we can not include it. Okay. But I am curious. What crop would you like to see next tried out in a controlled environment that has or hasn't or that you're seeing being pioneered? Or maybe like a development yeah. of one that's kind of being yeah. figured out. For me, it's fruit crops. Okay. I want to see fruit trees growing in greenhouses. And a lot of people think that's impossible because okay. fruit trees grew, grow really tall and they're used to growing in soil. And who says that we have to have a greenhouse that, you know, where the trees are growing in rock wool or go-go corn. They can still grow in the ground. Soil. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Because, you know, like what we're dealing with in California with climate change, even with just like the smoke and ash that comes from the nearby fires is affecting the quality. You know, it's not just about the drought. It's about all the other things that are associated with climate change and even just protecting our crop, right? That's what CEA starts with is crop protection. You know, whether that's protecting it from the sun with a shade cloth or protecting it from hail and rain with a plastic cover, um, you know, all the way to managing and controlling every single variable. We're controlling or managing the environment with just one single variable, and that's protecting the crop. And so 
if we have even our existing tree orchards, right, fruit tree orchards, and protecting them by covering them, um, either from sunlight or from smoke and ash or from insects and diseases, whatever it is, I think there's a big opportunity there. And also, there are dwarf trees. So we could, yeah, we could grow a peach tree like we do a tomato plant. What if in the next 10 years of Indoor AgCon, we're here and we see an exhibit that is for vertical farms filled with miniature trees that have fruits on them? Maybe one day. It might not even be 10 years away, honestly. Yeah, that's just giving people extra time. I think the other thing, if if I can, you know, on just like different crop types is just having more ethnic focused crops mm. um regionally locally and you know we're, we we have these five crops everybody was talking about uh today you know that we've started with you know tomatoes cucumbers and peppers in a greenhouse and lettuce and culinary herbs in a, in a vertical farm and a lot of the discussion was about diversification even of crops, not just facility types. Um, and, you know, berries have started to come into play um, is one of the big ones. We have microgreens and sprouts and aquaponics and, you know, other things. But for me, I think about this untapped opportunity. You know, we're in California and, you know, we are very ethnically diverse. Uh, and just thinking about Asian cultures and the type of uh, produce that you can get at an Asian market looks a lot different than what you can get at a traditional American supermarket. Mm-hmm. And where are they getting Making their sure bok choy? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where are they getting their wasabi? Where are they getting, you know, their lemongrass? Where are they getting their Thai basil, right? I mean, even Thai basil. We grow basil, right? So let's grow more Thai basil to to meet those those needs and desires so that's i think something else that i'm hoping for in the near future is choosing local locally specific or ethnically specific crops to grow in a specific lo- you know region Locale yeah or exactly region or neighborhood or something that, exactly community yeah. that's going to use that right. crop. Absolutely. i love the word that you neighborhood yeah. yeah why does it have to be even bigger than a than neighborhood yeah, yeah exactly yeah. Yeah, well, thank you so much. I really appreciate Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah, well, we'll see you here next year. Sounds good. The Doctor Zen podcast is brought to you by Dr. Nadia Saba and edited by Dana Swedan. Intro and outro music is provided by Chosik.com. Something related by Broke for Free, Creative Commons CC BY 3.0. Today's guests included Jeffrey Landau of Agriculture, Carla Gomez of In City Farms, Olivier Paulus and Alex Van Dun of Vertiberry, Joyce Rescon from Grodan, Kyle Barnett of Cultivated, and Tom Zollner from the Farm Tech Societies, and Toss Gibson from Rapid Grow LED. Thank you for listening, and as always, thank you for growing with us.